but I, I can tell you, Jordan Larmour was dragged off the pitch every single training session I ever had with him. Jordan, you got to finish now. Jordan, you got to finish. Jordan, you got to finish. Hello and welcome to the Off-Field Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Brian Moylet. I'm a former Irish age-grade international player, now playing in Vancouver and coaching collegiate rugby. Each week, I chat with somebody involved at the top end of the game to hear about their journey, get their insights, and learn about how they do what they do. On Instagram, I'm the Off-Field Rugby Coach. That's at Off-Field Rugby. Please follow me there. I share content around mental skills and performance, and also clips from the pod. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening, if you haven't already. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. And in the review, let me know what you like about the podcast. Would love to hear your thoughts. Lastly, please share the pod with some friends. Those different things help people find the pod and are really, really appreciated. Today I'm chatting with Noel McNamara, who is the attack and backs coach with the Sharks in the URC in Durban, South Africa. Noel is Irish, grew up in County Clare, but never played representative rugby at any level and actually played soccer when he was younger. He started out coaching a schoolboy under-13s team and has gone on to coach UCD in the All-Ireland League, North Harbour in New Zealand's Mitre 10 Championship, the Ireland under-18s team, Ireland 20s, Leinster 20s, the Leinster A side and was also their academy manager before leaving to join the Sharks earlier this year. In the pod, he talks about his unorthodox route to where he is today and what has helped him get there. We chat about failure and how the Irish psyche might hold us back a bit here, the importance of being curious as a player and also a coach, and he outlines what he believes makes a good coach. Through his work with Leinster and Ireland, the IRFU, Noel has been a key person in the development of so many current senior Ireland internationals. And he mentions chats he has had with Tyg Furlong and Andrew Porter around development, in which they let him know what things they felt were important for them in kicking on when they left secondary school or high school. Noel also talks about what set the likes of Jordan Larmer, James Ryan and Harry Byrne, apart from other young players, what he believes helped them kick on to where they are today. And there's great lessons here for any young ambitious players. He talks about the advantages of being a late developer as a player and also what he has learned from high performers in other areas and sports, such as Gareth Southgate and England soccer, the CIA and a trip he took to Willie Mullins yard to look at how he runs his operation and what has helped him produce so many top horses. And there's lots more besides. A quick mention from our sponsor, and then it's episode number 23 with Noel McNamara. A lot of people stress about money. Where should you be investing? Are you prepared if there's a crash? And loads more. And if you're not an expert, finances can be really daunting. I know the people at Sparks Wealth, and they're brilliant. What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you and manage your money so that it's working for you and so you don't need to be worrying about it. You can book a free, no-obligation Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. I'm here with Noel McNamara, Sharks, Attack and Backs coach. Noel, good to see you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Thanks very much for having me on. Cheers. Uh, How has getting settled in South Africa been? Yeah, I, I think the phrase I'd use or the word that probably comes to mind is it, it's been fascinating. Um, you know, obviously, you know, even even in normal times, I think it would be a challenge to uh, to move to a new environment, a new culture, um, you know, a new continent. Uh, having, having never been to South Africa before, um, you know, when you when you throw into the mix, obviously, the social unrest and and uh, and, and the riots that took place in Durban just prior to me coming out, it, it certainly added a, a unique dynamic, I suppose, to, uh, to 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 coming out initially. And, and then obviously we've had the ongoing challenges. Of, of COVID and, and you know obviously that's had you know serious disruption uh, over the course of the last season or, or, or two and, and uh, you know not, not only disruption in, in season disruption in, in people's lives and, and, and how we live so 
um, you know, it, it's certainly been uh, it's certainly been a challenge. Uh, that's probably the best description for it. I'm, I'm you know, really looking forward. My, my wife and three kids finally arrive over uh, over here on uh, on, on Saturday. So, uh, you know, that's something that we've been working towards and, and really looking forward to since uh, yeah, pretty much since I came out in July. So, um, you know, all in all, it has been challenging. Is probably the the best description. Um, you know, but in a really energizing way you know it, it it's been very unique uh you know and uh yeah i'm 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 uh, I'm, I'm sure there's lots more to come yeah that's so, so you came you went out in july and started getting set up kind of and started working and they were back in ireland for that period yeah exactly yeah i suppose initially uh brian you know we kind of a lot it happened quite quickly i suppose you know and obviously there was the initial um thing of, of, of starting to secure a visa and uh yeah the club were keen for me to come out and uh you know they were still in in the midst of a competition so it was an unusual period i came out in the middle of the curry cup where um they just lost to the griquas uh, and uh, our next game very quickly became a must-win game in terms of reaching the playoffs so um you know even that dynamic in itself i suppose and we just thought initially, uh, as a family, the best thing for the girls would be to uh, to go back to school. Uh, Islington area started school in, in September. Um, Islington going into second class and area into first class. And you know, my wife was still working as well. Um, you know, she worked full time in, in uh, with, with RTE. So it, it was, yeah, it, it just really was what made the most sense. I, I was going to come over and. Uh, yeah, I suppose get a house and 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 a car and get set up. And and as I mentioned already, you, you know, the, the riots were taking place, kind of. Um, the week after I signed my contract, so <laughs> it uh, it certainly added uh, added another done. layer, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember uh, talking to my mum and dad at one stage, and uh, they rang and I, where where did you say you were going again? And uh, oh, Durban said, "Is is that the place that's all over the news?" Um, and uh, trending on Twitter with Durban is on fire. So yeah, that's uh, that's uh, presented its own um, yeah its own its own uh, unique challenge as well. But yeah, so that, that that was kind of the way we went went about it and. Yeah, then just the way things played out, I suppose, with with, with um, you know with COVID and and everything else, it, it kind of we, we kind of kept putting it back. And initially, it was we're going to look at Halloween, um, and and then we kind of felt, listen, you know what, we'll wait until until before Christmas. And uh, yeah, thankfully we've managed to um, to get flights and and uh, yeah, everything going well. Please go to land on uh, on on Saturday. Good stuff, good stuff. And so you said the move came about quite quickly. There, why did you decide to? make the jump like pretty big jump and things seem to be going really really well in Leinster and Ireland and yeah move to the other side of the world yeah I, su- I suppose I haven't followed a, an orthodox path to date so uh, no point in starting now um yeah. but uh, yeah I, I guess from from my perspective uh Brian I, I uh, you know I, I, I had a, a really good job with, with the RFU and, and uh, with Leinster uh, obviously it was the academy manager in Leinster and, and really enjoyed that um but I guess really initially, you know, I got into coaching because I love coaching, you, you know, and, and uh, I think, the, you know, the Irish 20s in particular probably gave me a real insight into into what that was like and, and uh, you know, the, the day-to-day, the competitive side of it and, and, and everything else. And I just missed it. You know, that's probably the, the long and the short of it. I, I miss coaching. I miss the... Uh, yeah the the uh, addiction to, to it i guess is probably yeah exactly yeah, yeah. And, and uh you know as i said it, it, it was probably something then that you know once once um there wasn't an opening in Leinster in, ter- in terms of, of, of a coaching position. I, I kind of started to look around and, uh, you know, I got an agent and, uh, you know, spoke to a few people about what the opportunities might be. And, and uh, you know, we kind of had made a decision as a family that if, if something came up that we felt was right, then, you know, um, a couple of years previously, we'd gone to New Zealand, uh, Sinead, and, and uh, we only had two kids at the time, uh, Islington area. So, and we really enjoyed it. You know, it was a great adventure and, and uh, you know, the girls enjoyed it. And, and uh, it was... Uh, yeah, you know, so this kind of presented uh, a, a bigger version of that, I suppose. So, um, yeah, as I said, it happened quickly, and you know, we had kind of spoken about it previously, and, and we just decided to to, to jump, you know. And uh, I guess for me, it's an opportunity. You know, when you look at the Sharks, they're in a, you know, they're I think they're in a really good period. You know, that they obviously, you know, recently, uh, you know, uh, taken over by a consortium, and uh, you know, I've got a got a good playing squad you know you look at the team of the year that's just been announced the world rugby team of the year it's, it's got three sharks players on it uh, you know so it's not a bad starting point so yeah. i guess the you know the opportunity to work with those players in 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 a you know i, I guess a, a pretty 
considerable brief as well, you, you know, in terms of running the attack and, and, and the backs. Uh, yeah, it was probably too good to turn down, really, in the end, to be honest. Yeah, nice. And have you found much difference between coaching South African players versus coaching Irish? Yeah, like, it, it's an interesting question. Like, obviously, that there are cultural differences, uh, you know, but I guess one of the key things that I would probably fundamentally believe in is, is that you don't coach players, you coach people. And, uh, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, that's that's what it's about. And, and you know, I've certainly found them to be extraordinarily receptive, um, you know, and, and there is a there is a real uh, desire to to learn, a real desire to get better. And, and, uh, and you know, that, that that applies across the board, really, to be honest, with any of uh, with, with, with any of the boys that I've worked with over here. Um, you know, it's fair to say I'm still getting getting to know them. You know, obviously, we, we've had a. A contingent away with the Springboks, who, who you know really have only played one game. Uh, you know they came back in and and, uh, and played in that Blue Bulls game. So we had a couple of weeks with those guys. But yeah, looking forward to getting to know them better. But yeah, to be honest, out of a an awful lot of of positive things to to, to say about working and coaching in in uh, in South Africa. Um, in terms of similarities and differences, I said you know people are people, but there obviously are differences. You know, there's just a just such a vast rugby. Um, playing population over here you know yeah. the, the the reality in ireland is our, our playing pool is limited um you know when you look at some of the numbers uh, i think there's there's uh, you know over 250 professional rugby players outside of south africa playing in different leagues around the world i, I think at one stage there was yeah. so few teams in european rugby that didn't have a south african um playing for them you know and even you, you look at uh, i think leinster were one of, one of the few that didn't but you know the vast majority of teams if you look across the board have um you know, I've said Africans playing for them, and it's a really interesting exercise. There's little place names on uh, in in the changing room and the Sharks, and and you know, you go through and you look at some of the players that have played for the Sharks from, you know, the interesting ones like Gregor Townsend and uh, you know Clement Poitrino and and Freddie Michelak, uh, you know Andy Good, uh, you know obviously these are guys that we would have. Uh, you know, known from the European game. But obviously, there's you know there's legends of, of South African rugby as well, like John Smith and and uh, you know JP Peterson is still involved in in the club and and you know the list goes on really to be honest. So um, yeah, it's it, it's um, it's it certainly I guess you'd call it a talent hotbed and and uh, you know that brings about its its own challenges. You know certainly the you know the reality in Ireland is you 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 try and and, and maximise everything that you have and there's certainly a, a real emphasis on. Um, on coaching yeah just coaching hard and, and just making sure that nobody slips through the net and uh, you know i guess in in, uh, in south africa i wouldn't say that it, it's not exactly the same but certainly they they have the luxury of having a hell of a lot more players um, and there is more of a turnover you know and that's one of the big challenges uh, brian they've probably seen at the moment is if you talk about the performance clock of of, of players you know at the start of your career is the st- it, let's say it's 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 uh, it's it's 12 o'clock and then you kind of move around every year after that so we've got a lot of guys that 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. We've got a lot of guys at, at 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock, uh, you know, kind of coming around the other side. But, you know, players kind of in, in, in the, in the, at the peak of their careers tend to be in Europe, um, you know, and, and, and that's the reality. You know, I know that's something the Sharks are, are trying to challenge and, and obviously have done successfully with, with maybe keeping the likes of Sia Khaleesi in, um, in, uh, in, in, in Durban. But, yeah, it, it certainly does present uh, a, a challenge, uh, I, I guess, uh, for them as well. You know, and, and you look at, in the Irish provinces, they probably just have an, a really nice balance of young players to middle leadership to kind of the more senior players as well. And, and you know, I, I definitely think that is an advantage that, uh, that that the Irish provinces do have. Yeah, such such a luxury nearly for the Irish provinces when you say it like that. And yeah, so many other countries players leave. But um, you mentioned there coaching people versus coaching players was. Were you always like that, or was there a point when you realised maybe that you were trying to coach too much? Yeah, I, I guess I've I've been yeah I've been lucky, and I've I've said this in the past. I've been lucky with some of the people that that I work with. You know, obviously I started coaching in, in school in Clongos, and and yeah. uh, I had a fantastic headmaster um, a priest called called Father Leonard Maloney, who he used to pull me up all the time if I ever said if I ever called the boys players. He said, "No, they're school boys." Um, first and foremost, and and uh, yeah, I, I I think that has always probably been my philosophy. Really, is, is that uh, you know coaching people, and and uh, that's yeah, first and foremost, the most important yeah. thing. And and uh, you know, in, ter- in terms of coaching too much, it, it, it's a it's a really good point. And and 
I guess reflection and, and self awareness are two of the things that I try to to um keep to the forefront for for myself. And and there are times when you do. There are times when you know I I quote another guy Jerry Murphy who who said you know playing came along before coaching and uh, players did quite well for a very long period of time before coaching became as in vogue as it is now. So, you know, in many ways, when you've got bright people and bright players, it's about right asking the right questions. It's about maybe posing the right problems in training and it's about letting them figure it out for themselves a little bit. Um, and that's something that's evolving. Um, it's something that, you know, I would have had some challenges even even in Ireland with, with, with you know, in school. I think we, we tell players a lot what to do um, we tell them how to do it and, and maybe we don't explain to them why they should be doing it. Um, and and I, I certainly would have noticed similarities here in South Africa as well. You know, and um, I use the phrase a lot, you know, when, when, when a kid is, is born, when, when, when you have, a, you know, when you have children, the first word is mama, the second word is dada, and the third word is why. And they keep asking why, 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 why. And at some point we, you know, as young adults or whatever it be, or school system, we kind of kill that curiosity, which is such yeah. a shame, really. And and uh, yeah. I, I really try and encourage that. Um, you know, obviously there, there's that Simon Sinek's golden circle of why, and I'm sure you've heard of that book, but it it, it talks about that. You know, the the what the what you do is is clearly evident. That the how you do it, some people get to know it, but you know, the why, not that many really truly understand it. And I think if you can, and, and you can apply that to so many different things, Brian, as well, you know, you can apply it to purpose, you can apply it to, you know, the purpose of why they play and, and the purpose of the team and so on. But fundamentally, I suppose I would, you know, apply it to coaching. Why is, why is the ball carry so important? You, you know, and, and, and in, in many ways, that's probably where, where I've been guilty sometimes in the past of losing sight maybe of, of, of the big rocks, losing sight of the things that, that ultimately make the boat go faster. And, and that's, yeah, that's the the tendency, I think, really, and and uh, you know, sometimes maybe you think, oh, the if you go to a different level, things will change, and and in many ways, it, it, it's fascinating how they don't, or you know, arguably they become more important, um, and and it's about, yeah, that unconscious competence or trying to chase that unconscious competence, I suppose. Yeah, it's so interesting you say there about in school kids being told to not ask or like beaten into not asking questions and just do it this is the answer learn it this way and it's similar I think with underage like you say in school or whatever with when you're younger being told just do it this is the play just do it just do it and the person who asks the questions is stop trying to go against the grain stop just shut up <laughs> yeah. and get on like geez when I was younger the amount of times I heard shut up and get on with it or like you know people think you're you're causing trouble you know and we I think we don't as coaches encourage that enough um those people because we shut them up and then they see those people being shut up and it's like okay just fit fit in yeah I I, I couldn't agree with you more and the the best story I, I could tell you was when when we were in uh when we we're in New Zealand uh took the girls horse riding and uh the first thing that's you know they had one-to-one -one, which was really interesting and the second thing was um they were doing horse riding and they'd done it at home and it was about oh you got to do your down ups do your down ups do your down ups and then this guy that was teaching him or coaching him was talking about feeling the cadence of the horse and, and you could see and, and the girls were four and five but you could yeah. see it making sense to them i could see in front of my eyes them learning uh, and I don't know how many times I've heard uh, people tell them, do your down ups, do your down And the girls would be doing it. They'd be bouncing up and down. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was a real – and I asked the, the guy, believe it or not, actually uh, he played for the North Harbour second team. And I was asking him, so that was just the way we've been taught. So, obviously, um, you know, that teaching games for understanding has been a huge part of uh, – education in um new zealand for a long time and clearly that was something that they had uh you know that it was just part of, of how they did things and uh you know I, I think that's underestimated a little bit um in terms of of uh the new zealand way you know i, I think their their teaching system and the pedagogy that they have because coaching is teaching you, you know you can call it lots of different phrases if you want and and you know unfortunately there's good coaching and there's bad coaching and there's good teaching and there's bad teaching okay. um and uh you know i i did something with the group uh last week on, on leadership and I asked them to think of somebody who had an influence on them and then i asked them to, you know put up your hand who who it was negative the amount of people that put up their hand was amazing you know whether it be a coach or whether it be a teacher or whatever it might be but um the, the point being that you know 
you don't always remember what people say, you don't always remember what they do, but you'll always remember how they made you feel, whether that be negative or whether that be positive. And unfortunately, a lot of people tend to go down the route of that, you know, that negative route. And, and uh, you know, it, it, it can lead to success. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that it won't. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe not necessarily the, the, the route to sustain, sustainable success all the time, if that's the route you go. Yeah. That's so cool about the horse riding one and getting the feel of it versus doing the action. And uh, it's something that I found really like not annoying or nearly frustrating with kind of uh, the commentary in the last couple of years with the Irish team when they were moving away from with Joe Schmidt, it was very structured or whatever, like it was. And now the way they're playing is very, very cool. But I remember people like, oh, do Irish players have this skill? Like, oh, can Irish players? And like, of course they can offload. Of course they can do all that. Of course they can. But, but for, for all of their lives, it's carry, score the try, put the ball back, clear the rook, next phase. You know what I mean? Whereas in New Zealand, in Australia, it's um, it's keep the ball alive and like move it, and and it's the way you're you're coached. But if, for sure, they have skills. And did you, as a coach, have to kind of change where you're thinking as you were, say, with Klongos in school? Like schools rugby is very much like you say, tell the people. And then was there a point where you're like, okay, I need to do more or, or not do more but maybe do things a little bit differently yeah i, I, I suppose what, what i said to you at the start i, I would probably uh, say again you know in terms of i've had a an, an unorthodox route so you know it hasn't always been uh, i haven't been afraid to try things and, and in many ways it's been a real asset where you know I, I don't look back and say well that's the way i i you know, had to do it, or that's the way I was coached, or that's the way it was. So therefore, I'm always going to do that. I was probably not afraid to try things, um, and and I think that's been, you know, I remember having conversations with a number of coaches and saying, we're we're going to try this, or why don't you think about that? Or he said, well, what if it doesn't work? So well, what if it does work? <laughs> uh, you know, and and I think there's a little bit of the Irish psyche there where we're probably too quick to look at the reasons not to do something, and maybe don't fully explore the reasons why we should. And the other thing that I would feel strongly about is just our, yeah, our, our, our mindset towards failure or, or our mindset towards, uh, I use the term successful failures, uh, you know, because I, I fundamentally believe there is such a thing. But, um, yeah. you know, just we're sometimes afraid of making a mistake or, or you know, training is a little bit too messy or, or you know, there's lots of different analogies that, that you, you, you could take to that. And, and I think that's a little bit of, of probably what you're, um, you're alluding to there and certainly that's something that i would have seen in in uh in new zealand uh and, and uh yeah you know i wouldn't have as, as much experience of of, uh, of of australia but you know certainly there's there's maybe less of of a fear of of uh things not working you know or, or even uh yeah i remember having different conversations about specifically about errors you know and, and uh, i worked with a guy called dan hallengahu who's now the he's now the blues attack coach and uh we used to have some battles with Dan. Jeez, uh, I was coaching defence, which was a challenge in New Zealand because uh, uh, yeah. the boys <laughs> don't do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I laughed myself sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. coaching defence in New Zealand and attack in South Africa. Um, yeah. You know, their strength might be in the other areas specifically. But you know, Dan used to talk about um, yeah, just just I, I guess sometimes you, you're going to have to. You're sorry, you can't steal second base while keeping a, a foot on first. Basically, you know, you've got to take risks. You've got to be prepared to to have those failures. You've got to be prepared to, you know, if you want to score five tries, there's going to be times where you can see three. Um, yeah. you know, and, and that's you know that's the the reality. So it was really good for me from that perspective uh, because, and, and again, you talk about that feeling. Um, I, I would be quite uh, rational based, uh, and uh, you know would think about things all the time think and uh you know someone there is challenging how do you feel about it i don't know how i feel about it i think about it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know uh, the reality is not not everybody uh you know and i obviously read that that book by matthew said rebel ideas and uh, i don't know if, if you've seen it but it, it, no, it's, it's really interesting and they talk about uh, about 9-11 and uh, how 9-11 came about um you know because basically they had um you know white, middle-aged, uh, Eastern Coast educated uh, males in the CIA who couldn't, uh, you know, envisage that somebody in, in, in a cave in, in Afghanistan was capable of, of uh, you, you know, the, the type of organized organization that, that ultimately um, ultimately he was. And, and uh, yeah, it's just fascinating how 
you need, uh, you know, different people with different ideas, with uh, different perspective. And, it, you know, in the book, it talks about Gareth Southgate being appointed as the English manager. And they went to put together an advisory group for him. Um, and, you know, they were saying, well, maybe we'll get Tony Poulos and maybe we'll get Sam Allardyce and maybe we'll get, you know, Arsene Wenger. And then it's like, well, you know, the reality is maybe they'll know 5% more or maybe they won't know 5% more. Maybe they'll know 5% less, but it'll be in the same areas as Gareth Southgate. So in the end, they ended up getting... You know, I, I think Stuart Lancaster was, was one of the people. I think uh, Dave Brailsford from Team Sky. I think Sue Barker from 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 the you know the Tennis Federation, um, and and they got this eclectic group of people who ended up being awesome. They, you know, and, and some of the best conversations that, that I would have around coaching or or w- would be from people from other sports. Uh, you know, I, I spoke for for an hour last night with Johnny Cooper from the Dublin Footballers uh, about performance and and uh, you know I, I think having a an open mind I've told a story before um Brian about going down to visit I, I taught I taught Paddy Mullins in school and I went down to visit uh, Willie Mullins's yard in Carlow what an unbelievable experience like yeah. we talk about high performance uh, and high performing environments that is one of the most elite high performing environments I've seen and I've seen a lot of them um and obviously they're dealing in a completely different type of yeah, a sport but just how they individual individual diets individual training programs uh their knowledge and understanding of the horses uh, what they need how they train their recovery protocol um just unbelievable um you know yeah. absolutely first race and and how they could explain you, you know um i'll, I'll give you an, i saw this this horse uh, album photo who had just won the gold cup and I'm not joking you, like he, he looked like a bag of bones. I just I was like, how? And then I, got, I saw this horse called Duvan, who is the most unbelievable specimen of a horse you could imagine. But, you know, the bottom line was it wasn't about how they looked. Album photo won. He was able to get yeah. out on the track and he obviously won back to back gold cups. Um, he mentioned another horse called Cavega. And uh, when he arrived into the yard, uh, Paddy spoke about the horse and he said, well, she's too small. We're just going to have to send her back. You know, we're not going to be able to do anything with this horse. And, uh, I think she came from Henry de Bromhead and um, just said, listen, give her a chance and, and, and have a look. And, and uh, Paddy just said, she just got it. Like, you know, Kaveg, obviously, I think she won five, five Queen Mother Chases. And he just said, if there was four horses, she knew I'll beat the other three. That's it. I, I don't need to beat them by whatever, you know, a furlong. I need to beat them by a head. And that's all she did. Just beat them. And then if there was 11, she'd beat those 11. And if there was 12, she'd beat the 12. And it was, yeah. uh, he just said, she, she got it. And, and, uh, yeah, it, it was just really, really fascinating how they went about their business and how they, you know, all you need to do is spend an hour down there and you could tell why this place is successful. Yeah, class. It's uh, similar to coaching player, rugby players or people as well, isn't it? Like you judging books by its cover and you're like, oh, look at that fella. He's big and he's he looks good. He looks good. And then, you know, out in the field and it's yeah, the little small fella that's strong and yeah, exactly. And and I, I think there is over a period of time as well, you, you, you know, like the reality is, I guess, for some of the guys that are smaller when they're younger, uh, you develop a more rounded skill set. Uh, you know, there's, yeah. there's a great video of uh, soccer was my uh, my love. But I was a big 13 year old. Uh, so we're playing under 13 uh, against uh, against Mullingar. But there's a video of VHS and all you can hear is pass the ball, Mac. Why won't you pass the ball? Yeah. Oh, so you get the ball run and shoot. And yeah. uh it was fine because I was good at it. I could go past other people, a good shot, and uh, yeah. you know, you didn't develop the the you know the the parts of the game that ultimately would go on in in, in later years to make you a better player. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's exactly the same in in all of you know. You look at someone like Gary Ringrose, who who uh, you know played a lot of different positions and and didn't really come through until until he left school. And and uh, you know he he just has such an unbelievably rounded skill set. Yeah, it's um. It's so good as well playing different positions, and I don't think we do that enough. Um, like, geez, someone starts playing in a certain position at twelve, and that's the position they play all throughout school, and then they get into an academy, yeah. and then they go, and you know, and then like even I remember a couple of years ago, like friend of mine, Kieran Marmion, playing on the wing for Ireland against Australia, Mark and Flau. But like, I, I don't know, did he move around? But then in at the top level, there's times when you gotta play in a different position. Oh, hundred hundred percent. Peter Manny has played on the wing for. For Munster and Ireland, yeah. uh, you know, has found himself in in uh, in that position, and I, I I think you're right, and and I think Brian, the biggest challenge that we have in 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 the underage is is unfortunately, you know, coaching promotion is linked to success, 
yeah, and and success, unfortunately, is defined as winning games. Yeah, and you know, I, I can I can use my own example. You know, I, I coached the under thirteens in Clangos, and and I got of course the senior team because we went undefeated for a full season. But why do we go undefeated for a full season? Well, I'll tell you one thing: it was Ed and Brian Byrne were a significant reason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, if Ed and Brian Byrne weren't there, I don't know where I'd be on a yeah. farm in Clare at the moment. But <laughs> you know, that, that, that's that's the reality. I, I think show me a good coach, and I'll show you good players. And and mm. you'd, you'd love if it wasn't linked uh, as linked to success. And you know, I. I I talk to different people and different, uh, you know, I, I spoke a lot to Claire GA over the last while. They're doing a lot of, you know, introspection and so on. And you're trying to get that across really like, you know, w- what is success? Well, if, if you clearly define success. So like to me, if I look at an under 14 team, what is success? Well, success is one, they enjoyed it. Two, they became better rugby players. And three, uh, at under 15 next year, every single one of them wants to play again. Yeah. Unbelievable success. Yeah. Whereas you could win every game and the following year, seven people turn up for the under 15s. And well, it's been an absolutely categoric, unmitigated failure. Yeah. But you'll have had two or three big guys that, that score tries or that, or, you know, you're number eight and you're number 10 at that age. And they score a lot of tries and you win. And then the under 14 coach is a legend because he won games. Exactly. There's a fantastic thing in, in Clangos. There's a, a coach, uh, he's uh, Father Michael Shield. He, he, he coached Clangos to win the cup in 1978, but he, he brought in a, a game, which is basically the first and second years play together. Um, there's no kicking allowed. Uh, you're not allowed to kick the ball. You're not allowed to run more than 10 metres with the ball. So if you run more than 10 metres with the ball, uh, you've got to move it. And if you don't move it, you turn it over. That's and good. those two simple rules for me, have been one of the main reasons why Clangos have, uh, you know, punched above their weight. And, and this has been going on since, you know, if you, if you think yeah. about it, Maki was was uh, around in, in the 70s, uh, you know, probably at the peak of his powers in the 70s. So this has been going on for, you know, what's that now, uh, 40, 40 plus years, um, you know. So but what a simple way of, yeah. uh, you know, getting groups playing together so then all of a sudden it's like okay well we, we, we've got to get more touches we've got to move the ball we can't kick we've got to develop the skill set to play out from our own end there's no coaches uh, the players coach the players organise the players uh, the senior guys in, in the school referee the games um, you know the players organise the colours that they play in they organise the warm up they, and, and it just teaches a level of, of autonomy that the boys absolutely love it and it's a, it's a big deal you know for them at that yeah. age to, oh, yeah. to, to be given that and and uh, yeah, I, I just think the more of, of things like that, and you can argue, you know, the 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 you can argue the the tossing it, but to me, I think it is a significant factor, um, and I think it's unfortunately we probably put too much structure on things at that age, and we have too much. You mentioned over coaching, you know, how many times you tell fourteen year olds, okay, lads, you organise the tactics. These are the rules. Yeah, These are the parameters they want you to play in. You work it out. And and there's nobody looking over your shoulder telling you, nah, you haven't solved it, or you know. Yeah. And some of the some of the rugby you see in those games was amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's class. And I, yeah, I think that's so interesting. I went to Ross Gray, and yeah, it's more just your big guys carrying the ball, and there's no reason why Clongos should be doing so well with the size of the school, and they're all, you know, it's a small school; they shouldn't be winning so many mm. cups. Well, that's that's exactly it. You, you know, it's not. Uh, yeah, it, it is a small school, and, and by you know by comparison, whatever you have, twelve hundred in Black Rock, a thousand in Belvedere, and, and so on. But yeah. I definitely think that's a feature. Obviously, oh, you're yeah. familiar with the boarding school, and and the lads do uh, you know themselves do stuff at eight o'clock in the evening, or or there's not much else to do at boarding school no. at night time if you if you want to stay out of trouble. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that definitely is, is is beneficial from that perspective. But I think, and, and you know, there is there is more of a movement around some of that stuff. Uh, I, I think, Brian, you know, you look at, I know, um, Russell Earnshaw has done a lot of good work with, with uh, the Magic Academy and, and uh, you know, I guess having a, a slightly different approach to it. But until He's such unreal. time as, as, yeah, good guy. He's a really good guy. But yeah. until such time as... as that's recognised as being a valid approach and and uh, you know a good a good measure of success. Uh, then, unfortunately, as you say, well, I had a massive under fourteen and we won all our games, and now I'm the whatever under eighteen coach. You know, yeah, which just doesn't make any sense. 
No. And you mentioned there earlier about um, diversity with, like, say, Gareth Southgate and, you know, the people that they were going to pick and then the ones they did pick. Something that I found really interesting coaching over here in Vancouver is with a woman and just the way she sees things differently. And, like, she's played for Canada or whatever. But have you ever coached with women or been involved in, I don't know, wider groups with? Um, I've coached three daughters. Uh, oh, which yeah, uh, is yeah, is, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is 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 uh, is is very interesting, but no, I I haven't uh, I haven't been involved, and uh, ironically, it is it is something that um I I definitely would be interested in doing it, and one of one of the things that you know people would say is because you know they question the coaching process, and ultimately yeah. it makes you think about it. It yeah. makes you think about why you're doing things, and it makes you and and for, for me that's awesome. Like, you know, mm. you know, having, having players that will ask, well, why are you doing that? Or, you know, do you think this is making us better? Or, uh, ultimately, you know, th- that's what you're looking for because I, I think sometimes we, we get involved in, in our own echo chamber and, and we probably think, well, you know, this is the right way of doing it. And, and, you know, I think I said to you already, you'd be amazed that where the catalyst for real reflection and introspection can come from. And, uh, you, you know, I actually, we were in, um, we were in Wales, and we we played, um, we played uh, four games. Uh, we, we played Munster, we played Glasgow, uh, we played Cardiff and Ospreys. And I came home from that, and and uh, my eldest daughter, she she was saying, uh, "Oh, how'd you get on, Daddy?" And so you know, we we won one out of the four. So, oh, what? Why didn't you win more games? Why did you only win one? I said. Really good question, yeah. um, and one that got there really. But nobody had actually been brutal enough to say it to me, and yeah. uh, you know it, the reality was what, what I came to the conclusion was we weren't good enough. Yeah. That's why we didn't win anymore, and it wasn't you know. And, and there's a fantastic clip of Brian Cody talking about it. It wasn't the rubber degree, and it wasn't the referees, and it wasn't you get our head into the fact that we weren't good enough. Yeah, and therefore you can do something about it. Whereas if you try and project and blame other things and blame external factors or things that are outside your control, well, then where are you going with that? You know, ultimately, you're going to a place that leads to more and more excuses. So once you get your head around, well, actually, do you know what? We weren't good enough, love. That's why we won one in four games. And, uh, yeah, we're pretty excited about about uh, redressing that and being better the next time we go out there. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I'm sure the next question is, why weren't you good enough? And then then you can start, then you can start <laughs> getting down the well, yeah, exactly, and and that's uh, yeah, and, and and that's it, and and you know, I talk about the the why, you know, I try never to to tell the kids uh, because that's the way it is. Uh, oh. You know, you try and encourage that curiosity, and and uh, you know, it was fundamentally, I believe that's you know such an important part of 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 us as 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 humans. You know, if you can keep that curiosity, and if you can keep that desire to learn and get better, and whatever it might be, then. I, I, I think you're on on track to being successful, and uh, you know, for me, yeah, for 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 my kids, no more than the people you coach. I think that's such an important, uh, I guess, thing not to crush. I suppose is probably yeah, what it is, really, Ryan, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny you said you mentioned there a couple of times about like your different journey to where you are, and hearing you, it sounds like it's been a real benefit and like it's it's helped you a lot. But something that I think everyone gets, or I'm asking, do you get it, but imposter syndrome. Do you ever think like, like, oh, I'm not good enough, or oh, this is too big a jump, or, or how do you deal with that? Because anyone, no matter what their background, but like making big jumps, does that ever happen? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Of course it does. You're always going to question. I, I, I think it's going to be human nature, and, and I'll be lying if yeah. you said, well, geez, you know, what, what, if, what if I'm not good enough? But... I guess the thing for me is I'm I'm not afraid to find out, mm. um, and and that's kind of always been the philosophy. Really, in many ways, Brian, you know, uh, I fundamentally believe you you control what you control, you influence what you can influence, and then you let go of the rest. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm certainly not going to go back and have a top class career in professional rugby now. Um, you know, so it's 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 just not something that that. I, I invest any energy in, um, you know, and I think it, it's a tricky one for, for lots of guys because when, when it, what's enough, you know, I, I played five times for Ireland. I played 20 yeah. times. I played 35 times. I played a hundred times. So I was a British and Irish line. Yeah. I won a test series. So like, you know, I think sometimes people just get so kind of caught up in that. I think 
ultimately for me, I'm going to be judged on my ability to to make players better and, and make teams better. And that's what I invest my my time and and uh, and my energy in. Um, and yeah, I, I guess you know, in 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 terms of that, will it be good enough? Um, yeah, I'm not afraid to find out. Um, and uh, what whatever the answer to, to, to that might be, I, I have another pretty simple philosophy. You know, wh- whether you believe you can or you can't, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I, I I believe I can. So uh, yeah, ultimately that's uh, that's what I'm trying to uh, yeah go about finding out. I guess. Yeah, it's brilliant. And a funny one just with the horse riding, one I heard before, I think it was Russell Earnshaw. I'm actually chatting to him later today. But I, I was at a coaching conference with him before, and I think he mentioned it around that, like all these ex-players being coaches, like just going straight into being coaches and whatever. But he said, the horse doesn't always make a good jockey. It's a, it's an Arrigo Sacchi uh, quote. Uh, Arrigo Sacchi was uh, the Italian, uh, a great Italian AC Milan coach, and he coached the Italian national team. But he, he had a very uh, inauspicious playing career, uh, not dissimilar to, to Jose Mourinho as well. But uh, yeah, he, he, that was his point. He said, uh, you know, the, the 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 what was what was the exact quote? It was exactly that around the jockey doesn't have to have been a great horse. Yeah, uh, you, you know. So yeah, uh, listen, I, I I definitely think. You know, I've had some really interesting conversations with with some fantastic players. Obviously, I coached with Paul O'Connell. I worked at Tana Omega in in, uh, in 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 Auckland, and, and I'm still yeah. in touch with him. Of course, with, with JP Peterson, obviously, is is uh, is with us in in the Sharks. And I think for me, their interest is always the same. It's around coaching processes. So it, it's not you know the, the reality is what makes a good coach. Well, like obviously, you know, rugby knowledge is, 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 is going to be pretty high up the list and, you know, tactical understanding or whatever it might be. But, you know, there's also things like, uh, you know, coaching processes, how people learn, how you, how you get them uh, to, uh, you know, or how you shift them from, from point A to point B. And, uh, you know, I guess my background is in exactly that. Uh, you know, I've also I guess been involved in it a long time now. I spoke to somebody recently about this, and and uh, we were talking about you know players coming out. And I guess you know the reality for me is I, I don't know how many uh, training sessions I've prepared, I've delivered, I've reviewed, how many pre-match speeches mm. or talks I've given, how many half times, how many post matches, and you just build up such a body of of, of work. I guess you, you know. So I think for somebody who's coming out of the game, whilst they might have very high rugby uh, intellect or, or very good understanding of the game, they still have to put in the time to develop that. You know, and you, 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 no matter how competent you are, you're still going to, to struggle initially. And it takes time. You know, yeah. there's no point in, in, in pretending it doesn't. And, and I think the I think the best coaches are probably the ones that have, have allowed themselves a little bit of freedom rather than jumping straight in to uh to the deep and then some of them can yeah. get there but you know somebody like leo cullen is he's an anomaly he's an outlier yeah. there's so few people that that could do what leo's done and have the longevity that he's had and it's you know it's because he's a pretty exceptional person um you know and, and probably recognized as well that but you know what this is an area where i'm a little bit deficient so i'm going to look for you know, a coaching expert, which is exactly what Stuart is. So, yeah, I, I, I think um, I, I think it's a really interesting area, and uh, it, it's one that uh, I, I suppose I'm I'm, I'm interested in uh, as much as anything else. And I think, from my perspective as well, I probably seek yeah seek out other people in 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 different areas as well. You know, whether it be coaching processes, whether it be stickability of messages whether it be you know rugby knowledge whether it be you know different approaches and, and so on you know I'm, I'm i'm not naive enough to think that i have all the answers so you know certainly keen to to, to keep learning yeah awesome it's uh, it's happening more and more in soccer now like i think klopp played second division and the new guy for united ragnick like i don't know do you play much at all but it, like they're like they're coaches you know like that they're not mm. patrick vieira go put on a tracksuit or Roy Keane go in and be the the coach there like they're guys who've as you say like just have coached forever there's there's a fascinating clip of Jamie Carragher who's talking about uh, Klopp he he said uh, he said you know I I want to be Jurgen Klopp he said but I want to be Jurgen Klopp winning the Premier League I want to be Jurgen Klopp winning uh, the Champions League so I don't want to be Jurgen Klopp spending six years coaching mains 
I don't want to be Jurgen Klopp, uh, you know, then yeah. having to put in that time and then trying to get to uh, trying to get okay to get to British Dortmund to spend another whatever it is seven or eight years. He said, I yeah. want to be Jurgen Klopp right now, and and that's to me that sums it up. Like you look at uh, Raganek, you know, Raganek is he's coaching Manchester United. At what he's sixty? What sixty five? Yeah, he's yeah, he, er, he's old. Yeah. He's, he's certainly done his time, I'll put it that way. So he's delivered yeah. a lot of pre-matches. He's delivered a lot of training sessions. He's reviewed a lot of training. He's, uh, yeah, he's done his time. Yeah. Who, who's your favorite coach in rugby and then outside of rugby? Um, yeah, favorite coach, yeah. Jeez, I don't know if I could... Uh, I don't know if I could answer that. Oh, like, there's there's a maybe in rugby is a bit unfair because where the position you're in, it's very easy for me. Eddie Jones is mine. I love yeah. it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, for you, sorry, it's a bit difficult. Yeah. But uh, outside of rugby, then. Yeah. I've I've always been I've always been fascinated by Fergie. Uh, mm. You know, for for many for many many years, and and I, I certainly wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be naive enough to think that it could work now. Uh, or that I would try and replicate it, but mm. uh, you know, when, when you look at somebody like Fergie or Brian Cody or or Jim Gavin that have such a period of sustained success with different groups of players, that's the thing that fascinates yeah. me with, with with Fergie. So it's it's you know, and for Fergie, it, it really does seem to have been his force of personality. So mm. you, you know, it's not that you would try to to replicate it or or, or even imitate it, but. Yeah, he's fascinating. I've read a lot of books about him, and and uh, you know, even there, there's a, there's a fantastic passage in 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 one of his books where he talks about you know games aren't won by tactics or they aren't won by uh, you know how a team is set up. They're won by they're won by men of flesh and blood and feeling. And fundamentally, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, and and I think if that's kind of that was very clearly his philosophy. Now it didn't change the fact that he was pretty ruthless with them at times as well. Um, but yeah, he certainly. You know, but I think as well, Brian. Like I admire so many coaches. I admire Eddie. You know, Eddie Jones, admire Joe Schmidt. You admire Sri Lanka, Sir Leo, Andy yeah. Farrell. There's so many people that, and and I think we're probably in a little bit of a golden era at the moment in terms of of uh, in terms of Irish sport and Irish rugby in particular. Um, I think we've had some fantastic coaches in Irish rugby from, you know, even go back a few years, Declan Kidney and and uh, and Les Kiss and and uh, you know, obviously Rassi Erasmus, Jack Minabar. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and the list goes on. Joe yeah. Stewart, yeah, Pat Lamb, exactly, yeah. So like, all of these guys are are widely recognised across the world as being fantastic coaches. You, you look at John O'Gibbs, you, you know. You look mm-hmm. at uh, Gert Small. I, I saw recently has taken over uh, the Bulls Curry Cup team. You, you look at John Plumtree. You look at Greg Feek, who's now the the scrum coach for the All Blacks, who you know would have, have uh, given a lot of, of, of intellectual property in in uh, in his time here. So um, you know, there's there's just yeah, it's just a good period, and and I think Irish coaches are valued around the world. Yeah, hundred percent. That's very interesting. They mentioned that, and it's yeah, so true. A lot of them have gone on and done well after. Has there been any good advice you've got along the way? Uh, yeah, an awful, an awful. I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, th- I think, I think. Uh, I, I I do believe in in having uh, in having mentors uh, and uh, not in a not in a formal way, but there's been some people that have been that have been very good to me. I mentioned Jerry Murphy already. You know, show me a good coach and I'll show you good players. Uh, such a simple mindset, but it it stops you from keeps getting your, too carried away. Keeps your ego um, in check, kind of as well. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, my my first uh, the first team I coached. Sorry, the first Leinster schools team I coached. The first Leinster team I coached a fantastic team as well. But the first Leinster schools team I coached was it was like something from a different planet. Uh, you know, it, Jeremy Lachman, Oliver Yeager, Oshin Heffernan, uh, David O'Connor, Nick Temeny, Josh Murphy. Um, you know, Nick McCarthy and Ross Byrne were the nine and ten with Harrison yeah. Brewer and Fergie Cleary in the centre. Billy Dardis was the fullback. It was a team from a different, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. So like, uh, I, I think we won the Interpros that year. We won our first game um, by forty against Ulster. We we played Munster. I've Connacht, I think, it was fifty or sixty. We played Munster down at home, and we won thirty, forty points as well. And yeah. that was where Jerry came out with that famous line: "Show me a good coach, and I'll show you good players." Yeah. Uh, don't get too carried away with yourself here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's. I, I think when you got people. That are prepared to tell you the way it is, or or like Len- Leonard Maloney is somebody I mentioned already, Brian. You, you know, and, and Leonard would have 
yeah, he wouldn't have been afraid to pull me up a few times if he thought I was getting carried away with myself or, uh, yeah, just even that thing about it. And, and it's probably something I've taken as well around, you know, feedback is a gift. And if you've mm. got people that are prepared to give you that gift, then you should, you know, as long as it's coming from the right place and it's relevant and everything else, well, then you should really cherish that um, and, uh, yeah, seek it out, I suppose. Um, and, and, and then, yeah, I guess just not never thinking that you have all the answers you don't have to have all the answers um you know and and sometimes it's about asking the right questions and and sometimes your best resource is the the 30 players you know be they boys or or, or girls or men or women that you have in front of you and and uh yeah ultimately it might be about setting them you know the 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 the, the challenges or the tasks or the questions and and, and uh, they'll they'll find solutions yeah and are there any common traits or from, like you say, that Leinster team and different Leinster teams, Irish schools, seems 20s, any kind of common traits with players that make it or that become regular season pros? Like when you're coaching those younger teams where you're like, he he might not be the best player on the team, but, I, you know, he'll he'll make it and does. Yeah, it, it, there are and and unfortunately uh it's one of the things that, that people don't necessarily want to see but i I can tell you jordan larmer was dragged off the pitch every single training session i ever had with him jordan you got to finish now jordan you got to finish jordan you got to finish uh you know james ryan insatiable work rate insatiable desire to get better uh ross Byrne, mindset towards getting better mindset towards kicking exactly the same with harry um you know and 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 to be honest the list goes on you know so the the best players tend to work very hard, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and tend to be strong in terms of character. Um, you know, they tend to have depth. They tend to, you know, you you look at some of them, and it can be linked. But you know, quite a few of them have had a a significant injury. Um, you know, you look at someone like James Ryan. Obviously, has had that uh, hamstring tear. Kellen Doris had a bad hamstring tear. You know, and, and had it six, seven, eight months out injured. Uh, Jordan Larmer and ACL when he was sixteen. Um, so you know they've all had to come through kind of some some something that uh, yeah exactly yeah that presented a roadblock or a challenge that maybe for for some guys it, it, it becomes um, yeah it becomes insurmountable, but. Yeah, they, they they work hard. Um, you know, as I said, that there is that resilience uh, factor as well. Um, I I do think in Ireland, uh, you know, the the system, the way it is, it is it does set people up to succeed. You know, if they have the right attributes, if they have the right characteristics, if they have the desire to get better, if they're prepared to work hard, um, and and there's a lot of people that you know, do a lot of good work. And I, I can speak specifically around Leinster, you know, and I know it's just similar in other provinces, but, you know, people like David Fagan in Leinster, the, the, the work that he does, you know, largely unseen um, yeah. with, with, with young players. And the same can be said of so many clubs, so many AIL clubs that, that probably don't necessarily get the credit that they deserve, um, you know, and, and sometimes we, we, we get a little bit confused, Brian, as well, because, you know, even even for yourself, you, you went to Ross Gray, but, the vast majority of people that I would have come across, they didn't start playing school rugby in Rossgrave or they didn't start playing in Clongos. They started in Be- Bective or they started in Ballina or they started in, in uh, you know, in Gary Owen. And, and that's where they got the, the love for rugby. And, and then, yes, maybe they did go to, to a, a school, a rugby playing yeah. school, and, and then went on and played for, for a different club. But I, I, I think sometimes that's... Um, you know the, the whole ecosystem is is a little bit misunderstood, um, and uh, you know, all that being said, we're seeing big strides made, and the likes of Jamie Osborne and these guys coming through now. You know, on top of Tyg and 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 Shawnee and 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 so on. Um, you know, again, I'm talking specifically of examples of Leinster, but guys who've come through exclusively the youth pathway. Adam Byrne is, is obviously another one. Conor O'Brien and and yeah. uh, Brian Deeney and Martin Maloney are two guys that I, I would be expecting to uh, to push through in the next next couple of years as well. But um, yeah, I, I, I just think the whole system is 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 uh, is set or sets guys up to be successful. I guess as long as they have the you know the the right mindset and the right approach, and and it doesn't close off. You know, you look at someone like Rowan Osborne. What a fantastic story that is. You, you know, so Rowan obviously played in Clangos, uh, played in the Senior Cup final in, in fifth year. Was was you know an Irish schoolboy that year. Came back the following year. Unfortunately, didn't make the the Irish twenties. Wasn't involved for a couple of years. And 
he's obviously ended up playing two years for Leinster, won a pro pro 16, won two actually, and uh, is now obviously a full-time pro down in Munster. So um, I, I, I think that's something that is, is, is well done as well. You know, the door isn't closed. And if somebody, uh, you know, continues to, to build on, on their game and, and gets into the right club in the right environment, there's still opportunities to come back in and be a professional rugby player. Yeah, I think that's so important as well for young players to understand, like, I played in Lansdowne with a lot of guys who weren't making it, like Tyg Byrne was released and then Tom Farrell, Tom Daly weren't really making it and then Matt Healy before that didn't have a contract, went to Connacht and just loads of guys. But I think it's so important as a young player, wherever you are in the world, but to understand that, like you say, if you're in a good club environment at 22, 23, 24, you can still improve so much. Oh, 100%. Well, I get it. You know, you mentioned four unbelievable examples there, and uh, you know I can give you Greg McGrath as another one in, yeah, in, in yeah. the very recent past. Greg, obviously yeah. from from uh, from Lansdowne as well, but has, has gone on and and is playing over in um, you know over in Connacht now on on, on a full time deal. And, and you know there, there's there's plenty of other examples. You get someone like Brian O'Connor, I think down in UCC who went from UCC to Gloucester and he got a full time contract over at Gloucester. So yeah, I I, I think um, you know the the reality is. People develop at different rates, and and uh, you know th- there aren't really any shortcuts, Brian. You, you know that's no. the, the the reality. You know, so, so some people it does just take longer, and and you know the physical maturation, the physical development, or just the penny dropping, just getting it a little bit more. And and uh, you know, I, I think I think we we underestimate uh, the 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 value, and and I would have seen it very closely with the Irish twenties. You know, I saw how much better players got through exposure in the AIL and through playing, like, you know, look at someone like Jack Crowley, you know, like Jack got so much better from starting with that Corcon team and playing beside a guy like Jerry Hurley, who, you know, if you want to talk about somebody who understands the game, talk mm. to Jerry Hurley, you know, just uh, Duncan Williams, obviously down there as well, who's, who's another guy with a, with a huge amount of experience. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a, a fantastic you know, learning school for yeah. for uh, for those guys, and uh, you know, I, I think it's it's you know, COVID has had its challenges, and that's been one of the real negatives of COVID. You know, the fact that the AIL season didn't take place, and some of the younger players haven't got the exposure that they needed to. I think if you look at it at the start of this year, you've probably seen more professional players than ever, or certainly maybe yeah. than ever is, is 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 a stretch. But over the course of the last four or five years, years uh, playing. Um, yeah, and, and and you see guys like uh, I saw Calvin Nash playing, I saw Jack Dunn playing, I saw David Hawkshaw played a number of times. Um, you know, you know, guys who are three or four years senior senior pros now, um, back and playing in the AIL. So I think that's something that definitely has been a positive. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it should I think it should happen more and more like young players? Like, I think there's too much of a move towards like being in the gym and doing skill sessions and all that. Like, you know, like go yeah, play AIL, and it's not. It's not easy. No, well, I, I, tell you, I, I coached for a year with UCD, and uh, yeah. I remember Andrew Porter uh, was our loose head, and uh, we played against Gary Owen, and uh, this guy from Gary Owen came on, and I'd be kind to say he he was he was in his late thirties, uh, but in a bit support, yeah. like three scrum penalties in a row, and. I'll take off ports because if I didn't, we we're going to lose the game. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a learning for him. Like. He was, oh, like a hundred percent. But he, and and ports was awesome. He was uh, he, he, at the end of that year, he went on to be the best under twenty loose head in the world. If you remember, he was named yeah. on the on the team. The team got to the World Cup final. He was named on on that. But yeah, that was a really tough day for him. I remember talking to Tyg Furlong. Uh, you know, Tyg was talking about being a 19, 20-year-old playing for Clontarf and getting absolutely carved around the place yeah. uh, in uh, in the in the bullring, as he uh, described it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny, actually, before I let you go, uh, just one more question, but um, I remember playing uh, against UCD and against Andrew Porter, and we had, like, such a good scrum in Lansdowne, like, unreal. We used to just kill everyone. Mm. And I was behind you, you coached from Prendo, uh, Ian Prendeville, and... I remember, like, yeah. we'd just be killing everyone all the time. And if a scrum didn't quite go well, I'd be like, what, what's the problem here, Prendel? Like, what do we need to change? And I remember him just turning around and going, oh, Moilet, no, we're fucked. Or so, like, he was like, no. And I was like, this young lad across from us, and it was Andrew Porter. And I remember just going back, and I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> 
Yeah. fantastic. I I remember the, the game you're talking about, and Patter Timmons is the number eight, and I, I had coached Patter since uh, since he was in school. But we had we had a front row uh, that day of Andrew Porter was the loose head. Uh, I think Sean McNulty was the was the hooker, and uh, Jeremy Lachman was the tight head. But yeah. uh, we were having a having a beer afterwards in the changing room, and Patter looked at me and said. I never knew a scrum could go forwards. Oh, yeah, because we used to kill UCD all the time, but then yeah, we made yeah, our match. Yeah. So, Patter, Patter that day, was he, he was like, the escalator has finally started moving the other. So he was long, I don't know if you remember the game, but Bobby Holland was at 10, uh, Jamie Jamie Glenn was at 9, and yeah, uh, yeah it, it was a good day for, for Patter, Jamie, and Bobby because they were able to play on the front foot. Yeah, they'd usually do well against us anyway going backwards, but that day was, yeah, different. <laughs> um, yeah, it's always fun playing in CCD. So before I let you go, do you have do you have like an ultimate goal, or how do you kind of go for? Do you go like season to season, or do you kind of have a an ultimate goal that you want to do? Um, yeah, I've I've never, to be honest, ever uh, had had one. Uh, it's always been whatever I'm doing. I try to to do it to the best. Of of my ability and and be the best possible version of myself and and that's that's still very much the the philosophy you know what, what's the goal I I want to I want to you know be the best I could be I want to coach at the highest level I could possibly coach at but you, you know that's that's as far as it extends really to be honest you know right mm. now I want to I, I want to win as many games as we can with the Sharks I want us to become better I want us to score tries I want us to you know be a team that excites people and and. Uh, you know that's that's probably as 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 far as it extends, and uh, I think some of it extends back to not getting ahead of yourself either, Brian. To be yeah. honest, you know, I think if you do, then ultimately you lose sight of what's important. And uh, Peter Smith is is uh, is you know was my boss for many years. Peter was the uh, academy manager initially in in, in Leinster, and then went on to uh, to the RFU. And he used to say, you know, ultimately the decision will be made by people uh, that are outside your control. So, yeah. you know, there's no point in in, uh, in worrying too much about that. Again, it goes back to that point I made earlier. You focus on what's in your control and what's in, you know, my control is the present and, and, uh, and, and, and right now. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's very much where, uh, where my energy will be focused. Brilliant. Well, Noel, thanks so much for your time. I've loved chatting. It's been unreal. And yeah, best of luck with this season and beyond. Thanks very much, Brian. Yeah, really enjoyable. I, I find it hard to believe that it's been uh, 58 minutes. So, uh, yeah, credit to you. Hope you enjoyed that chat. I certainly did and learned plenty as well. Something that I think is so important for younger players to understand, which Noel talked about, is that players' routes to the top or to where they want to get to isn't always a straight line and is very seldom a straight line. We both mentioned players that recently were playing club rugby in Ireland and have gone on to become professionals and also internationals. There's no age in which you should give up on wanting to make a certain level wherever you're at. And I was just thinking after I recorded the pod or after I was chatting to Noel, another great example of this recently is Dave Cherry, who was playing in the lower leagues in France for a number of years and then in the English Championship and at 28 got a contract with Edinburgh which was essentially his first top flight club and then at 30 got his first cap for Scotland. If you enjoyed the pod please send it on to some friends now or put it into your whatsapp group would really appreciate that. In the pod Noel mentioned Russell Earnshaw and how he is essentially changing the way coaches think. Russell won a Heineken Cup with Bath in the late 90s as a player and has gone on to coach the England 7s, the England under-18s and the England 20s and this year has been working with Eddie Jones and the England senior team. He's a really interesting person. I met him at a couple of coaching conferences and learned so much from him around how I think about the game, working with people and dealing with failure. It was interesting that Noel mentioned him in the pod and I chat with Rusty, sorry Russell, Rusty is his nickname on next week's podcast he was marcus smith's england underage coach has worked quite closely with him and a lot of other young english players and if you enjoy the podcast with coaches like mike ruddox knows or like learning around player development and that kind of thing you will love hearing from rusty 
any feedback thoughts questions you can send me a dm on instagram at offfield rugby i'd love to hear them my twitter and tiktok is the same handle and my linkedin is my name brian moylet along with sharing the pod with some friends if you could leave a rating and a review in apple podcasts letting me know what you liked about the episode that would be amazing that small thing really helps with the algorithm so that when people are looking for rugby podcasts the off-field rugby bottle pop up thanks a mil for clicking in today i greatly appreciate you taking the time happy christmas happy holidays hope you are keeping well and a happy new year too cheers if you're an ambitious player that doesn't want to let any more time slip by before you start kicking on and becoming the player that you know you can be or if you're a coach who's interested in self-development yourself or want to better understand the mental side of the game so you can help your players realize their potential then you can join the first 15 tier on patreon the link is here in the show notes and it's also my instagram and twitter bios And you get all these extra podcasts around mindset, becoming more confident, developing self-belief, leadership, mindfulness, and lots more along these lines. You get a bonus podcast like this, well, like the full version, every week. So yeah, link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Cheers.